0: Welcome to the Next Step Business Podcast. I'm Bob Camp, your host. For each podcast, I'm inviting successful business leaders to discuss strategy, execution, high-performing teams, innovation, and more. Join us to learn more about getting the business you want and living life on your terms. I wanted to welcome everyone to the Next Step Business Podcast, and I'm really excited to have an old friend, Gare Maxwell. Gare is an internationally awarded speaker and author. You can find him at garemaxwell.com. On YouTube, you want to check out his nearly 200 interviews that he's conducted with some exceptional business leaders and check out Big Little Legends. He's a global authority on branding. Gare brings a unique perspective on really about how to to build a category of one, which means in simple terms, no competition. How do you eliminate that? I've been in the audience to see him deliver some really electrifying keynotes and, and, and workshops and people walk away knowing how to do something different that gets them to the next level. He's been touring throughout the U.S., Canada, and the U.K., Mexico, and Latin America. He shared stages with people such as Richard Branson, and he does 80 to 90 pre- presentations a year. He's really good at asking questions, and that's one of the things that you know we really want to explore tonight because he's interviewed. I think the number was somewhere up to uh, 10,000 interviews and th- 30,000 broadcasts, but I think this element of asking questions and working with these leaders, he's been able to gather some insights that a lot of us would really benefit from. And so I just wanted to welcome Gare. We've had a couple good times together, and I'm just excited to have you on the on the podcast today.
1: Thank you so much, Bob, for the invitation. And the way you were introducing me, I think somewhere up in heaven, my mother believes every single word you said. <laughs> I do. So, no, thank you so much. And we've got a story. I, I'm going gonna, gonna to get people listening today to, to hang in there for the story. Bob and I had this shared experience about the power of a brand and its ability to raise eyebrows and open doors to conversations that was unforgettable. One memorable night in Knoxville, Tennessee. Yes. I've often <laughs> wondered how many songs have been written with Knoxville, Tennessee in the lyrics, but cuz one could have been written that night. So thank you, Bob. And yeah, you were mentioning big little legends. It's the culmination of all these things we're doing around how everyday leaders build irresistible brands. And to your earlier point, how can you create a brand strategy and position that basically makes the competition irrelevant?
0: I've seen you in action and see seen the people that I was in the room with gather those distinctions and be able to walk out and, and just see them elevate.
1: Yeah, it really, one of the things in my work, Bob, and I know you appreciate this, it really doesn't matter the industry, the sector, the category, the product or service you compete in. Because when we talk about legends right away, that's got universal appeal. And the secret is to tapping into those formulas that have been proven to work for centuries. So I'm just going to throw out a few. For example, whether it's Apple or Disney or Nike, what all the great brands in the world have. They have two things, two core ingredients. They've got differentiation and they've got relevance. Those are so crucial in terms of those brands, just for example, are very different. There's nothing else like them. Anywhere in the world with big little legends, that's our metaphorical expression to indicate, well, who are the small to medium sized companies that pack the same kind of impact that an Apple or a Disney or a Nike would in their competitive space? And we've been very fortunate to have helped create a lot of big little legends and in the research uh, for the book, which was Four years in the making, we uncovered dozens of big little legends, way too many to go in the book, which means there's going to be a second book and probably a third to complete the trilogy. But there's no shortage of small to medium-sized businesses that you can look at and say, you know what, they've got something a little extra that nobody else has, and that actually is making people line up out the door, online or offline, they're lining up because they, in fact, are irresistible. And one of the stories I like to paint, a couple of people are listening to the podcast today, and they need a, a visual description of what does this look like. New Orleans, Louisiana, has hundreds of coffee shops, but there's only one Café du Monde with a long lineup of customers. Pike Place Fish Market in Seattle. There's lots of places where you can buy fish. On the Puget Sound waterfront, but there's only one getting thousands of visitors each week. That's what we're studying, Bob. Who are the small to medium sized, big little legends that are really exhibiting great magnetic appeal with their brands?
0: So, to that point, what are some of the core things when it comes, you know, we talked about differentiation, relevance is a word that often is overlooked. And so, when you, what are the kind of the some of the things that you think that people need to think about? Both of those, but, but I think relevance is a word that's often overlooked. We talk about differentiation all the time. People really struggle with that because I think they try to differentiate themselves technically or differentiate themselves from a whatever it is from a position standpoint. But it, it's much more than that. When, when what I've learned from you,
1: yeah, that's a great question, Bob. Let's use relevance in this space, especially. For those who are out there and um, listening and wondering, how does this apply to me? I'm always trying to put it into the context, Bob. If, if someone's eavesdropping on this conversation cause, and they own a business, they might want to start, they, they will likely start thinking, geez, am I relevant? Here's my point. And I, I typically don't like to start with vehicles or platforms. But since you bring it up, would you believe that more than 95% of American businesses, because I've researched their websites, I've studied, this is my own stat, I didn't pull it off the internet. I would say more than 95% do not have an active YouTube channel. And that's just for starters, in terms of relevance. In fact, if you go to anyone's website, what you will typically see are social media links to things like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, etc., etc. What you won't see is a lot of YouTube. And I think that alone speaks volumes. And here's why. I don't see YouTube as a mere channel of distribution. I see YouTube as a mindset because it takes bloody hard work, to do video, and even bloodier hard work to do great video. So if we go back to sales training 101 and marketing 101, and we believe that emotion is the key to selling, well, nothing triggers emotion like great stories on video. And anyone watching or listening now, has to recognize that the day of the yellow pages has disappeared forever. The day of media gatekeepers, newspaper, radio, network television, that too is fading very quickly into the rear view mirror. So when I say YouTube, Bob, I don't mean just the physical platform, which, by the way, is owned by Google and which, by the way, is the second largest search engine on the planet. It's a mindset. It means how do we take original stories, original content, and start to think about how do we translate that into a video production, whether it's a homepage video that really captures the spirit and the energy of what the brand is all about in terms of its messaging and and its value. But also, how do we use this in such a way so that we can tell stories that have no ending? And like I say, Bob, I think it's real easy for folks to post this, that, or the other thing in a photo on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram. I think video is, is the key to the future because whether anyone likes it or not, there's only one area to build your brand today, and that's in the online world. And nothing is more powerful than videos that actually tell compelling stories. And the, the, the ironic thing is you were saying, you sent me a note earlier, geez, you, you, you got on that YouTube channel and you stayed there for a while.
0: And and that is an important piece, you because know, <laughs> I would say from of a marketing perspective, like you said, marketing and sales 101, from a marketing perspective, strategies haven't changed, but the, the tactics and the tools and the platforms definitely have and right. what I see challenge us is there's a great story about uh, Guy Kowalski talks about ice haulers. And he talks about how originally the people went to the north and they cut ice out of the lakes and they hauled it to the big cities, uh, which were much smaller because they didn't couldn't keep food. They started, somebody came along and decided and figured out how to build a, a factory. And they would make factory, you know, but none of those ice haulers made it to actually make a factory. And none of the, pe- the people who actually built the factories made it to actually build the first PCs, the first personal coolers. And marketing has gone through those same kinds of things. When you go back to originally, there was the word of mouth in how you built your business. And there was the written pieces that you did, but along comes radio and and then TV. But the internet changes the game because like you said, the gatekeeper is not money anymore. It used to be how much money do you have? How much can you spend? But there's still some factors of Who's your ideal audience, right? Are you targeting them? Are you building? And to your point, are you building stories that are relevant to them and consistent with who you are and what you have to offer? When you think about the stories, what what are the kind of the stories that are that they're doing? Because to your point, it, it's hard work.
1: It, it is. It's it. And, and to your point, Bob, everything starts with a story. So here's what I mean: strategy before platforms. Get clarity on your message first, then worry about the platforms. You and I just did it in reverse a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it's message before the medium. That is that is so consistent. I drill that into my clients. Get the message first before worrying about the platforms. But I can tell you a, a pretty compelling story around that, which is, uh, and this is how universal this stuff is, because we get invitations all the time from all different parts of North America predominantly b2b companies looking to differentiate themselves whether in their whether they're in manufacturing or engineering or accounting or hey let's try this one bob the legal profession let's do the legal profession shall we how many lawyers do you think there are in chicago illinois Can't even hazard a guess. So the actual number is 45,210 registered in Cook County, Illinois. So if we talk about differentiation and relevance as our overarching themes, then how do you, if you're running a law firm in Chicago, get noticed? How do you stand out from the crowd? And are you using relevant platforms? So a strategy we just developed and anyone can look it up. His website's going to be launched any day. But this is I'm sharing this because this is fresh and this is new, okay? When we got together with David, we discovered what makes him different than all the other lawyers. He's the grandson of a Holocaust survivor, okay? And when his grandparents came over after the war, his granddad, they settled in New Jersey. His granddad used to take him to New York Yankee baseball games. And little David became obsessed with baseball. Like, we're talking Bob hardcore, and he collected thousands and thousands of cards. Not only did he collect them, he actually protected them. A few years ago, David sold like 10 baseball cards for a quarter million dollars. It's one of his <laughs> side businesses. He's got memorabilia at Cooperstown. Would you say he's hardcore into baseball? Just
0: a little bit.
1: <laughs> Just a little bit. So through our process and through knowing that it's all about the message first, then the medium, David has become the game day attorney. So you're going to see on the home page of his website, this compelling three minute, almost movie trailer, YouTube video that features David sharing his story, why he does what he does. And it wraps up with this scene of David in front of iconic Wrigley Field because he is what, Bob? The game day attorney. That's very different than the standard corporate video which is we have a 100,000 square feet of -of state-of-the-art facilities and factory-trained technicians. No one cares about that. I hate to break it to you, and I know I'm supposed to be an overly polite Canadian, but the fact is no one is dying to go to YouTube to watch another corporate video. And so the suits and the robotic marketers have to get it in their head that people really don't care about marketing, but they do care about stories. They care about stuff that is of interest to them. They love, someone loves Mickey Mantle and reading about Roger Maris and the chase for 61 home runs to beat the Babe Ruth record. See, those are the kinds of stories the game day attorney is going to be able to do forever because game day represents something much bigger doesn't it? Than just baseball. Yeah. It, I mean, it's
0: it, it, right? it's that personal connection, right? It's something that totally. that all of a sudden I relate to, therefore I remember. And, yeah. and it is one of the things that I saw when you presented before was just getting people to your, just as you were doing there, getting people to really sit back and look at what was, what was their, what is their story? And, and that includes, so many things, their ancestry, their, their community involvement. Who are they and how do they differentiate themselves based upon that versus feeds and feeds, like you said, in the t- technology space?
1: Well, I just love what you just said. That's so timely. Who are they beyond the products and services? And that's such a core statement, Bob, in our work, because Simon Sinek, I thought, did a fantastic job with Start With Why which was people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And the world went, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then you go to home pages of websites. You don't see why people do what they do. You see what we do. So we honor Simon Sinek's work and we build on it. And we go, okay, so people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. But they also, let's talk identity. Who are you beyond the products and services? beyond the speeds and feeds and bits and bytes and megahertz the features advantages benefits beyond the quality the innovation the on time on budget see we're already we got to go past all that to build an irresistible brand if that's what you want to do so i i thought and how timely it is you said that bob because there's lots of shoe companies out there but in terms of differentiation and relevance, you'd be hard-pressed to beat Tom's shoes. Who's Tom's shoes beyond the footwear? Oh, they're the guys who, if you bought a pair of shoes, they would donate a pair to an underprivileged child in South America, and eventually that mushroomed into, I think, 95 different countries. Okay, I think they've given away more than 100 million shoes for kids in need. That's Tom's Shoes, but they haven't stopped. They're also about ending gun violence, okay? They took a very clear stand after the Thousand Oaks shooting in California. So there's Tom's Shoes putting a stake in the ground, planting a flag on the metaphorical Mount Suribachi during the Battle of Iwo Jima and saying, this is us beyond the footwear. But then you can turn it around, and this is going to be, something that speaks straight to the heart of anyone from Tennessee because out in Lynchburg, <laughs> who's Jack Daniels beyond the spirits that, that, that come from that spring in Moore County? Jack Daniels has an aura. It has a mystique. Now, part of that was built when Frank Sinatra dubbed it Nectar of the Gods in, I think it was 1955 or 56, when he made that claim, and that was reported. And have you ever noticed, Bob, since Sinatra made that proclamation, all the rock stars, the Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, Van Halen, Motley Crue, that's their drink of choice. Kesha claims that she brushes her teeth with Jack Daniels in the morning. (laughs) I don't know if that's true or not, but I do know this is the story. Bob Camp and I, as God is my witness, are (laughs) in Knoxville, Tennessee, at a drinking establishment, and it was only appropriate as a visiting Canadian to order Jack Daniels, to which the server behind the bar, and I will never forget this story as long as I live, his eyeballs almost popped right out of their sockets because he asked us, Bob and I, he's, remember Bob, he's yes. asking us for, he wants identification, <laughs> that, right. that that we are following the letter of the drinking laws, the beverage laws in the great state of Tennessee. That's how it went down. He asks right. us for the ID. <laughs> and I've been carrying this thing around in my wallet for a couple of years, maybe three or four years. I had never produced it, but it seemed like the perfect moment. First moment ever that I produce this identification that I'm a card carrying Tennessee squire. I am by order of the managing director of Jack Daniels Whiskey. I remember that, Bob. You yes. can just pick it up right yes, there. <laughs> Describe the reaction when I show the guy that there's my card as an official Tennessee squire, and I am the owner of a plot of land
0: at the distillery. Yeah, so, number one, the conversation went to a whole new level. It wasn't just, I mean, it, it started with, here's this card, and his eyes, to your point, his eyes just bugged out, and... But it was, here's this Canadian presenting this card. And the conversation just went to a whole new level. It went to everything from, number one, how did you get it? And and trying to understand the story behind it to going, oh, wow, is that what you do? And that's pretty amazing. And you guys need to go meet such and such. And, and it was a, it was an engaging conversation, which was much more than, hey, what else would you like to drink or eat? Absolutely. So
1: in effect... Jack Daniels has really taken this business of storytelling and brand building seriously. Now, I'm holding it up, but there it is, Bob. That's the official deed and title that the managing director of Jack Daniels, along with the beautiful cover letter that I've laminated for posterity. It was sent to me November 14th, 2013. So, yes, my election for membership in the Tennessee Squire Association. See, what are we sharing right now? Jack Daniels is something more than just whiskey in a bottle. It speaks to something more. And this is how the great brands of the world do it, but it's also how any small to medium-sized business can do it. And so you were right, Bob, when you asked about identity and who are you. Most organizations are, in my view, have a real opportunity when they can plug into that and say, you know what? If we can answer that question once and for all, we can build brand equity like a Nike, like an Apple, like a Disney, like a Ferrari have done literally for decades. It's the ultimate long-term brand building approach. But it all starts with the essence of a great story. Something's got to be happening at the core that you can build on.
0: You said something earlier, start with your strategy. It's kind of like start with the end in mind. And when you start with who you are and then know what, what the end is and all those brands you just brought up, there's two things that they don't have to worry about. They have customers and they're great customers. They continue to earn them, but they're a place where people want to work. And that's another element, I think, in today's economy, the fact that so many companies are challenged trying to find workers. It's that they aren't, they haven't differentiated themselves from any place else to work. And that's another element of really that brand piece.
1: No question. In fact, we've got clients and great friends. We were just uh, Zooming with them earlier before this call. They're out of Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. They're called West Shore Home. And I met West Shore Home in January of 2018. And I met the CEO. And at the time, BJ Wurzen and his company We're employing about 130 or so people. They were doing about 40 million or so in annual revenue. So they were doing pretty good by a lot of people's standards. But BJ tapped into this idea that, wait a second, we can do more with this. And then I got the invitation to work with the marketing team. And then we got uh, brought back in again to work with the HR team. And so a lot of the West Shore home strategy is built around exactly what you said, because in in the CEO's mind, real growth wasn't possible without scaling in terms of capacity, in terms of workers, and they had to get the best talent. They had to play this game from a talent perspective as well as a marketing perspective. And I'm pleased to share with your audience, Bob, that West Shore Home, in my view, might be north america's leader right now as we speak today in terms of actually being able to do this so think about this they're in the home renovation business so kitchens bathrooms sinks doors windows i mentioned i met him in january of 2018 what are we three and a half years later west shore home has expanded to fifteen hundred employees twenty five different locations in twelve different states and they're now north of the 500 million mark and they released a video and if you want i 'll share it with you Bob so you can put it in the links in the show notes or however you want to do it but and I'll share you I'll share with you as well the game day attorney video so your audience members can actually see it very quickly what we're talking about. But in my view, West Shore Home released a two-minute video that's totally like the best HR culture type video I've ever seen. Now, there might be other good ones out there. I haven't seen them yet, to be honest. And so it was so rewarding to see how the leadership team at West Shore Home And let's face it, that's a a crowded competitive category with workers doing a lot of thankless jobs, and yet they have greatly accelerated their capacity to attract the kind of people who already fit in with their culture, and they captured it all in a two-minute video that I think is the perfect juxtaposition of where message meets medium. And that's a sweet spot, Bob, that... I think people listening to this program or watching us can really aspire to when you get it to that level.
0: So that's number one, what an amazing story. And I know you've seen that happen with so many companies. I'm going to talk to you about that in the past, but that's a really good example of what I always call the traditional businesses. It's not the startup. It's not the big anchor companies in in towns or in cities, but it is the traditional employer that employs the huge percentage of, the, of people everywhere we live. How did the CEO or what's the process? Because what I find most people are challenged to get outside of that thinking, that mindset of where they're at, because it is a different mindset. It is one of stepping out in for many. It's about trying something completely new. They think it's unproven, but it is very proven, but they just haven't experienced it themselves. Can you provide any insight to whether him or somebody else, the process that they went through, or did they just sure. get it?
1: Sure. Here's, I'll, I'll share another story that I think is, I, I love that you mentioned like West Shore Home is that traditional. This could be any business. It could be a dry cleaner. It could be a car wash. It doesn't. The business itself it could be a car dealership. We've had great success with different car dealerships in different parts of North America. But I'm going to share with you one, Bob, that I think is so relevant in terms of digging out the story and finding what's there. And it comes from a small Western Canadian municipality. So I'm based in London, Ontario. I'm originally from the East Coast, but I was out touring once on a speaking tour in Saskatchewan. And there in the audience in Regina is um, the mayor of Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Now, I don't know, Bob, if you've ever heard of Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan.
0: I haven't.
1: (laughs) Maybe you haven't. But you got to look at it from... And so when I say universally applicable, that's why that's the first thing the CEO and the leadership team has to stop thinking about the stuff they sell or do and start thinking in terms of identity. So from a brand strategy point of view, why would a municipality invest in developing its brand identity? I can tell you there's two reasons. Number one is obvious, tourism. We need more tourism to, to keep our downtown merchants afloat. So that's number one. Number two, we want to attract outside investment. And number three, I suppose we actually want to create the kind of community where families will live and stay and, and not depart for greener pastures. So there's tourism and economic development, though, are, are, are one and two. So... Moose Jaw's only got 33,000 people. Bob, right away, we know. There's no huge marketing budget. They're not going to be able to buy enough Super Bowl ads or anything to attract interest, to get attention. And make no mistake, we live in the attention economy. So the mayor of Moose Jaw sat back in the audience that day. And after it was all over, says, can you come and help us and and work with us to figure this thing out once and for all. So what happened was we have a very systematic process and we, in because it was a municipality, we gathered about 25 business community leaders, like the chief of police was there, the fire chief, all of the interested parties. And, and you can imagine the mix is a little bit different and diverse than let's say a company. So if it's a company we're working with it could be anywhere from eight to 10 members of a leadership team but with a municipality it was a little bit different but in every case company organization municipality doesn't matter what it is in every case we're trying to find out what really makes them tick what makes them interesting what is it they got about them that nobody else has and lo and behold In our research at the city of Moose Jaw, we discovered that apparently back in the 1920s, that's where Al Capone and some other nefarious ruffians from Chicago used to go and hide out. (laughs) Here's how it played out. During the Prohibition era, the train line, whatever the train line was going west out of Chicago, when it crosses the Canadian border... It stops in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. At the train station, there's a network of underground tunnels that connect to this underground world like underneath the downtown and this is where you could hide bootleg whiskey, gangsters, prostitutes, if you needed somewhere to go and hide stuff or people. There was no other there was no better place than Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan in the 1920s. And after Prohibition and the Capone era and all this passes, for decades, they tried to deny the, the existence of the tunnels. The, in other words, the townsfolk wanted to sleep, sweep this terrible travesty under under the proverbial rug. And, and then something happened, I think it was in the mid-80s, there was a water main break or something downtown and a road collapsed and... Lo and behold, the tunnels do exist. (laughs) And so when I got there, Bob, I looked at that story and I thought, I'm a Canadian. I've never heard that. That's interesting. That's interesting. And then as we did our, uh, we call them executive boot camps. We do this boot camp and we put the folks through a number of exercises and I will never forget. The chief of police jumping up out of his seat to say, I, "I in 1927, the day shift busted the night shift for corruption." The most famous bar in Moose Jaw, Bob, is named after the city's most famous prostitute. I don't know. Are you seeing a pattern here <laughs> of sketchy, scandalous behavior? Are you okay?
0: Yeah, <laughs> but but it's it's interesting. So. Long story short,
1: when you study municipal branding and strategy, everyone brands themselves the same way in that world. Every single town is a great place to live, work, and play. They're all friendly. And we see that as mere table stakes. We get that. Just like features, advantages, benefits like quality, on time, on budget, and innovation, and professionalism. We get that where's the drama where's the story and that's how moose jaw became canada's most notorious city and in the spirit of notoriety they engaged in 2019 in social media warfare when they when the mayor actually issued a declaration of war against norway because a town near oslo i remember had that the aud- Yes, they had the audacity. Bob, they had the audacity to build a moose statue 30 centimeters higher than Mac the Moose, a Canadian (laughs) treasure. And the mayor goes on YouTube, looks the camera in the eye, and says, You can do a lot of things to us Canadians, but you can't water down our beer. You can't tell us that Hockey Night in Canada and Coach's Corner is a chat show and you sure can't mess with Mac the Moose. And it was game on. And my point is that ignited a two-month media cycle that generated millions and millions of dollars of free publicity for a town with no budget. You get four minutes on The Colbert Show the mayor is on with his counterpart from norway in front of 90 million viewers on bbc global television the wall street journal the washington post the new york times they're all running with this story to the point where they the eventually the two warring factions reached uh, a, a position where they had the first ever international moose summit and they signed a moose <laughs> truce. And there was a moose of understanding reported in full in the Washington post. But what were the results, Bob tourism alone in 2019 goes up 30 plus percent.
0: And what did it do for Oslo? It's
1: it's, it's everybody it, wins. It, every, everybody. And they're still winning. I could tell you many more stories about how Moose Jaw is winning in ways that the vast majority of Canadian municipalities are not. Because they understand something, like we've already touched on, it's message before medium. Once you get your story straight, it has no expiry date. And you can be the most notorious city forever
0: join us for part two of Gare Maxwell's conversation on next week's podcast.